0: This is the Chiefs' official podcast
1: network. Take advantage of the day. Okay. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play.
0: Playmakers. The playmakers all on three. One, two, three. Playmakers. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. Well, welcome back as we're back. Uh, the defending the kingdom after just a brief time off to have a little parade. Uh, <laughs> Mitch Holter's with you, voice of the Chiefs, along with the man we call the Barber Shop, the Shop, the Spider Man. Uh, enjoyed Super Bowl Fifty Four and that championship, uh, once uh, in a lifetime feeling. We're going to try to get this done again, but there's there's always the first time. And to get that done, what an exhilarating couple of weeks here.
1: Man, 50 years in the making. After 50 years of, uh, of not um, tasting what it tastes to be victorious, being world champions, the entire organization, um, all the different levels of the staff, um, all the fans, all the way, you know, support, the assistant coaches, all the friends and families of the players, having that chance to go down there to Miami and not just, and not just celebrate being in the Super Bowl, but actually to come home victorious, and then experience that victory parade when you could come back to your city and celebrate it with all your fan base man that that was that was a phenomenal feeling um, like you said it's, it's a once in a, even if we do go back it's a once in a life chance life, lifetime feeling to know what it feels like for a a, a city a fan base uh, to to spend that much time building building building, and for that thing to all explode in one year and all the Glory and all everything goes out to Coach Andy Reid and Coach Spaggs and Tobes and EB and all the, you know, assistant coaches. Um, It's just a great feeling to be a part of an organization to to see all that hard work really pay off.
0: And if you want to have some fun, you want to binge on it, just go back to our beginning podcast. Take it all the way through. Remember, we could see the summit from here. (laughs) And if people remember how I ended that game, the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit the chiefs are champions of super bowl 54 now and before we do that i Mm -hmm. keep running into people who are loving these podcasts there's a in st louis we got a we got some fans now the growing fans a gal named jenny gray watkins i i mean she's earned her letter jacket with defending the kingdom uh got enough quarters to let her she works out listening to these podcasts she goes, oh, man, I love them, and I work out to them. I'm like, well, okay, I didn't know we were a workout, <laughs> uh, but, hey, whatever works. But it's, hey, man, and might, You and I in Miami.
1: So many yes, people are coming yes, up to us going, yes. they
0: love it. So so we're back and grinding away, so here we go.
1: Hey, man, from Richmond, Virginia to Tallahassee, uh, Florida <laughs> to Jacksonville, all the way from North Dakota to South Dakota to the, 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 the southmore part, southmost parts of Texas, and all the way out to the West Coast, and man, they've been showing the Defending the Kingdom podcast so much love um, on social media. We get tags for people saying, hey, man, um, love every Friday morning waking up to your podcast. You you find a, such a unique way of putting um, what's in front of the team, what the team has to do to get to the next step, the next level. Um, and then the way we built it each week to culminate with uh, climbing that mountain, man. Everybody I know uh, from my hometown really appreciated it uh, us letting them see inside the kingdom.
0: Yep. And now we start with refitting the backpack. For the next nine weeks, Shop and I are going to look at this Chiefs team, where it's been, where it is, where can it go, because we're getting ready for the climb. But that means we're refitting the backpack down at the bottom of the mountain, getting ready for the 2020 regular season and then 2021 postseason climb. But we start, we're going to go through the next nine weeks, take yeah. you up to the draft. We're going to go through every position group, and we're going to start with this edition uh, with the defensive line. Mm. We're going to talk about what they did to get the Chiefs a Super Bowl championship, what this position look like now. It'll change the own, fr- the own free agents the Chiefs have in this position, and these are significant in this category. The crockpot guys, I call them the crockpot guys, and I mean it as a compliment. Because if you're in the crockpot, that means you're still here, right? <laughs> because if you ain't in the crock pot, they're saying, hey, we got a check for you and why don't you take off. And those are guys that are slow cooking. They are the developmental players that sometimes pop out of the clouds and become big-time players, and fans either don't know about them or they've forgotten about them. And then we're going to talk about some of the premium free agents in the defensive line and some of the draft possibi- possibilities. All right. Here we go, barbershop. What the Chiefs' defensive line was able to do to get a Super Bowl fifty-four victory, in your opinion,
1: man? It starts with training camp. Man, It starts with the the commitment that once a defensive coordinator walked out or was released, let go, and then Steve Spagnuolo walks in. He hires a whole new staff, a whole new D line coach, and then you have some guys that are carryover. You had you had guys that had to decide whether they wanted to buy in or they wanted to continue to be who they be. You know, having a, you know Chris Jones. Um, having a successful season um in the 2018 season looking at 2019 he could have looked at it and said hey man like like I'm good I'm I'm gonna be who I am um that's good enough it was good enough for us to get all the way to the AFC Championship game so I just need everybody else to pick it up but that's not how coach Spags builds a uh, defense he doesn't build a championship defense based off of um, you wrestle on your loyals doing what you did a year ago um, he starts off with day 1 uh, we we hear about the great uh, Vince Lombardi saying that um this is a football. Every year when he <laughs> – first day of training camp, he told everybody, this is the first thing I say, opening meeting, day one. This is a football. He wants everybody to understand we're going to start with the fundamentals, the basics, to make sure everybody's on the same page, and then we build it from there every season. And I think he won four Super Bowls in a row with that statement. Um, I think that's what Coach Spaggs brings to the table. He brings to the table a guy who has enough football IQ, enough uh, football philosophy, intelligence, that he can start it off the same way. This is the football. This is what we need. It starts in the trenches at the line of scrimmage. And you see our defensive line uh, has has been built that way.
0: What they did since the Mexico City game, that really was when things started to kick in for Spags' defense, the win over the Chargers in Mexico City. Seven quarterback hits in that game, four picks, three sacks at Tom Brady in New England held the uh, Patriots to 4.3 a rush. Week 15 against Denver, 10 quarterback hits, mm. hits, two sacks, three and a half a rush. Then we saw what they did in the playoffs. And even when the game turned in those last seven minutes of Super Bowl 54, two big tip passes by Chris Jones. Pressure. Frank Clark, the blitzes by Spags, the defensive line. Mike Pinnell gets a pressure early in the game that led to uh, the Brashad Breeland interception mm-hmm. in the first quarter. This was a group that became... Well, you could argue there weren't much better in the NFL the way this group rolled from about mid-November all the way to the Super
1: Bowl championship. Yeah, you could tell early in the season everybody was filling each other out. They wanted to make sure, you know, hey, when I hear a certain call, do I fit a certain gap or do I explode through a gap? Um, There were so many different fine-tuning of the techniques, and every, every level needed to see the guy in front of them how they were going to react, how they were going to do it so they could go play fast. And once everybody uh, felt comfortable, like you said, about halfway through the season, you could see a comfort level where the, uh, the momentum shifted. It was no longer uh, aiming for the middle-of-the-pack defense. Everybody talked about uh, preseason. If the defense some, somehow, some way ends up 15th to 20th ranked, the offense is good enough to win a Super Bowl. That defense decided, no, we, we're not, we're not, we don't work this hard to be mid-pack. We don't work this hard to be middle-of-the-road anything. We're, 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 we're focused on being a championship level defense, a top five defense in every category, um, a defense that can close out games, can win games, can get pressure on quarterbacks and stop the running game, can dictate the flow and the tempo of a game from a defensive standpoint. And you saw that mentality being led by the Honey Badger. But as he led it from a, a vocal standpoint. It was the I'm telling you, it's the defensive line of scrimmage. It's the way they control that line of scrimmage throughout every ball game mm. that dictated the ending, the the final finale, the fourth quarter. Um, the, all those big plays that you mentioned started with a D lineman having an integral part on disrupting a quarterback or stopping a running game completely in his tracks.
0: And this defensive front, they held the edge like a champ. They held their gaps, and yet they still got pressure on the quarterback time and time and time again. Uh, All of these comebacks, in many ways, were fueled by the defensive line, an exceptional group. So our first quarter here of this podcast, Defending the Kingdom, that is refitting the backpack, getting ready for the climb of 2020-21. Now, here's what the position looks like right now under contract. Frank Clark's under contract, the Shark. We saw him just explode in the playoffs. Demon Harris, uh, Derek Nadi, Tano Passigno, Alex Okafor coming back from injury, and Colin Saunders. In the case, we know what Frank is, right? I want to ask you, though, about Nadi, Passigno, Colin Saunders and the ability for them to get to the next level.
1: Passano is a guy, man. He he's 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 kind of felt like a rebirth. He felt like he was a guy that was put on the corner, the uh, um, in a trash dump, like we was used goods, ready for the trash man to pick him up. And then Coach uh, Spagnola got here and said, "Hey, man, we're gonna give you the opportunity to make some plays. We give you opportunity to get on the field and show us what you can do. Don't don't. It doesn't matter what everybody said before this time. Um, the beginning of this 2019 season." Um, was like he rose like a phoenix um, th- from the ashes. Um, and, and he showed that there's, a, there's, there's not only a place for him, that he deserves... To be in the NFL, and he can play at a high level. So many big plays throughout that playoff run from Passano. Um, you show, you, he showed he came really far from what we saw of a guy coming out of Villanova, who everybody know looked the part, but didn't know if that was going to transcend to the NFL. And in Sanders, Kayla um, Sanders was he, he almost was like a YouTube phenomenon, right? a mm-hmm. Big 300-pound defensive lineman that could do a backflip. That's that's what that's what he was known for, um, his versatility, his his uh, um, the way he can move, um, light on his feet, kind of like a dancing bear. But in the NFL, could he could he handle a double team? Could he split a double team? Could he make tackles for losses? Um, um, will he give ground in order to gain ground in order to make tackles? Um, was he was he was he did he have the IQ, um, the football mentality to be effective? Um, and then Nadi. we knew Noddy could bench press a house, a building if needed to, and that he would hold point. But could he have the feet and the mobility to go lateral um, at the NFL when you have to go against the stretch game? You go against the the, the lateral movements of the running games in the NFL. Um, it, it takes more than just being able to hold point and being able to press bench press a house. Uh, you got to be able to go and make plays. And all three of those guys showed an amazing amount of versatility, resilience, and persistence of knowing exactly where they fit on this defense and then being committed enough to do whatever it takes. Whatever it took from them to do personally to get their their game level up to a point where we would be effective with them in the game.
0: All three of those guys had impact in Super Bowl 54. When you go back and watch it for the 43rd time, (laughs) because I've watched it, I don't know, about 10 times, uh, watch Naughty in the first half, chase to the boundary. He makes a hustle play to the boundary to prevent an even bigger play. At the end, when the Chiefs got the and Niners off the field. Nottie made a tackle on a run that could have been about a 30-yard run that became a 5-yard run because Nottie made the tackle. We know what Pas- Passanio did. Same with Colin Saunders. So, again, on this edition of Defending the Kingdom, it is the first of nine consecutive weeks. We're going to take a look at every position group here. And right now we're focused on the defensive line as we're refitting the backpack for the 2020 regular season in 21. Uh, postseason it leads us now as we close in um, on halftime of this podcast we don't know what what we do here you got one second uh there it is (laughs) our own free agents in this position these are guys that are up for free agency now we're going to talk about strategy here uh, uh what the Chiefs should do can do couldn't do but we need to address it because on this list is chris jones Emmanuel Ogba, who was injured, playing really well before he was injured. Mike Pinnell. People didn't know who Mike Pinnell was in mid-November. And by the Super Bowl, they couldn't wait to throw confetti on his head. (laughs) He makes a big play on the interception. Yes, he does. uh, Rashad Breeland. Xavier Williams. Hometown kid. Run plugger. And then Charles Suggs. He was the late pickup. Okay. Shop. That's a prominent list of dudes in this position category who are free agents.
1: Man, that's, that's, that's hard to look at uh, when you talk about them in the totality and you look at how many of those guys potentially could be lost and thinking about re- refilling or uh, trying to replace that void, when, especially when we're talking about the line of scrimmage. Any other position we talk about on the defensive side, of, um, I, I can envision I can moving on without a certain person in this, um, maybe a stop guy, guy or maybe a guy with a lot of potential. But when we talk about that D-line, the game begins and ends with your defensive line. You got to be able to hold a point. You got to be able to penetrate. You got to be able to have guys that, um, that that know how to play that game at a high level. And you just named a, a handful of guys um, that were intricate in this defense coming together, um, molding as a team, and being able to be functional for the second half of the season. Um, and you look at you know what 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 possibly could be out there to refill those guys. Um, some of the top guys in free agency, we already we talked about Chris Jones. Uh, we got Clowney um, from Seattle. You got the guy mm-hmm. Barrett from the Bucs, uh, Reeder from the Texans, uh, my man Yanni from the Jags, mm-hmm. and then like Dante Fowler from the Rams, Armstead from the 49ers. Uh, but the guys that really interest me, interest my, my – my it's kind of sparked my interest is two guys from the Steelers, Javon Hargrave yep. and then Bud Dupree. Yep. One guys a one guys a, a monster inside um, loves just the nitty gritty get your hands dirty loves the bloodiest knuckles up uh, he he mucks up that game on the from tackle to tackle um, any interior run he has to be Uh, dealt with in a big way Um, he's and he's kind of set the point and set the anchor for that Steelers defense and then Bud Dupree is a guy uh, who's who's entered the league and has just exploded um, last year and both of those guys have kind of been the anchor of the the Steelers defense um, in the way they turned around things about halfway through the season and You've got to look at it. I don't know if the Steelers have a cap situation where they can keep both of those guys and do everything else they need to do. So they'll have to make a decision, maybe uh, re-sign one and let one go. And whichever one they do let go, I think we could, we could definitely find a way to uh, make one of those guys work out here in Kansas City. Since you're
0: in that category, another guy that's interesting is Dante Fowler of the Rams. Yes. He signed a one-year deal, kind of one of those, hey, what do you got left, and 11 and a half sacks. Mm-hmm. And we saw his impact uh, a year ago. Actually, in a game that's being seen 30 times recently, and that's that Rams-Chiefs game, some consider the best Monday night game maybe ever. Uh, but he's a guy that is intriguing because, let's just be honest, where the Chiefs are in the cap um, and trying to figure out the cap and looking not only – and, again, what I love about um, the Chiefs and their infrastructure of dealing with the cap is – and with the cap, you got to look at today. i got to look at six months. I got to look at a year and two years. Yes. Every decision I make, if I'm going to pay you or you're going to pay me, I got to look at, hey, we need this guy right now. Well, how does that affect it in six months, a year, two years? We also know about Patrick Mahomes coming up. So that's just, I mean, that's a common discussion. But a guy like Adante Fowler, um, or as you mentioned, because uh, Dupree's a game record. Yes, he is. Okay. Uh, now, in the case of when you look at Hargrave and Reader. A 3-4 guy versus a 4-3, and what Spags wants to do is add a one-gap, playing over the zero-tech, over the nose, I mean over the center. Uh, you know, that comes into play here too. But one thing I thought was interesting uh, in watching Spags this year, and you knew it because you played for him, but the versatility guys he likes. I'm going back and thinking of you the guys he had with the Giants, Pierre Paul, I don't know if you had him or not, but – those guys and passing you'll fit that category. Yes, I can does. play inside, I can play outside, I can play on the edge. I, uh, and to me, if you're looking at free agents, whether it's on our list or not, to me, how much does versatility come into play? with spags in fitting this system.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, you can look at pass, you know, like you're saying, as a young man's or you say a poor man's uh, JPP, right? Because yeah. he fits that same mold, right? He, he's long. He's able to use his body. Uh, some of the, the, the reasons why Chris Jones is such an uh, um, accomplished pass rusher and run stopper is because he's long, got long arms. He can fit in the holes. He can read the quarterback's eyes, bat down, key third down but he's also able to uh, um, get his body in Turk and twist his body um, um, the, the, the way the freak used to do for Tennessee right the way he used to come off the edge and and get his uh, get his body turned sideways and, and get pressure on the quarterback um, so so a young guy with the with the body of a <coughs> of a um, a man from Villanova, the way he's able to um, affect the pass game, affect the running game, we got to find some more young guys like that. The, the, the draft is full of them, but there are there are some other. When you don't talk about the top free agents, um, there's some there there are some young guys, um, there's some Shaq Lawson, some yeah. uh, Kerry Hides, uh, you know, Vinny Curry was a guy that he's an older guy, but with, with the Eagles for a little bit. Um, as you go down the list, there are some guys from the 49ers, has a few young guys, uh, Ronald Blair and Anthony Zittle. Those guys, everybody is under the same uh, pressure, I think, the Chiefs are, is that they have about 20 to 30 guys signed, and then they're going to have to let about 20 guys go. And so that free agency pool is going to get full so quickly, yep. and everybody who has that checkbook gonna start opening up that checkbook. And all these high price guys, $8 million, $9 million, is going to be going and going and going. And then it's going to leave – The residual is some high-quality players that we got to find that just want to go win. High-quality players have been in the league. They know how to play. They're solid football players. Either they've made enough money already in a short career where they're able to come and take a little bit less, or they're a young budding guy who we can go out and pay a little bit more because we believe that he is an ascending talent and he'll be able to be effective here for the next three or four years.
0: It's almost like, shopping during the holidays the black (laughs) friday remember (laughs) okay that's that's like the march 14 15 16 oh man everybody rushes and goes and uh, you know the mention we've already mentioned guys like dj reader um might be right there yeah uh and others but once that rush happens because we talk about the chiefs and people are listening this going wow i didn't know all those guys were free agents well every team yes. in this league. That's the intrigue of the National Football League is because of the salary cap, every team in this league is going to be making decisions like this. But to your point, I've seen this every year. The rush to get inside to get the newest, coolest thing. But then there's the sale. Yeah, the sale right after the holidays. And all of a sudden, I go, "Wait a minute. I just got something that's really more valuable for better value." And it's after that rush that you'll find, guys, if they fit your system. If they fit your system. And they got to fit this system, too, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally. Because there is a real strong current to this team on defense and really through the whole team. But that's part of the character as well. Um, But that second wave through, basically your after-holiday sale, you can get some really good players, players that you can win a a championship with.
1: Yeah, the depth is something you're going to build through that free agency um, and also through the draft. Um, we've, yeah, we've we haven't even acknowledged the draft yet, but we we're focusing right now on that free agent period and how many guys there's going to be a, a plethora of a plethora of guys available because like we said, saying every team's going to have to create some some cap room. Every, everybody's going to be dumping roster spots, free agents. Everybody has to get into this one pool, and then you're going to see teams um, that have a glaring need to try to create a, a impact player. To create that impact player, you got it's going to take a splash. So there's going to be teams overpaying for these four or five um, um, marquee players because they, their defense needs that. They need this key element that they've never had before. The, the beautiful thing about this defense is it's built on trust, communication. It's built on every player understanding their role. And I, I don't know if, if a guy's skill set outweighs their commitment, their dedication, their heart. And those are things you're not going to find uh, um, tattooed to the guy's stat sheet that's when Brett Beach um, and his staff gets to, to, to grinding on that film and realize, man, I love this guy going out of college. I remember uh, sitting down with him and having an interview. The guy's a football guy. He has a high football uh, um, IQ. Um, he understands um, fit, feel, and follow-through. He understands how to pursue to the ball. Uh, maybe it was an injury that set him back. Maybe it was something off the field that set him back. But, you know what, he has a heart to be a, 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 a Chiefs, um, Defensive player and be a part of this defense. And when they find those guys, that right mix of guys, what only thing we ask is the fan base is you give Brett Beach and his staff the trust mm-hmm. that they're gonna go do what they do. They've always done it. We're we're not we're, like most teams out there batting like 150. They you know one, uh, twice out of ten ten hits they get on base. Our staff, our GM. I mean, we've been we're we're batting like 500. We've been been like 600. Everybody that's coming into this building is seeming to work out, and that's why when they become free agent, it's ta- it's hard to get them to come back because other teams want them. Other teams want these guys. They they kind of mad at their their staff that they didn't figure it out before we figured it out, and they got them in the building, and now they're gonna overpay for them. And now it's time for us, like we say, retool the bag, find those. Those bargains and find those free agents and those vets that can come in that want to win, want to be a part of a winning franchise, a winning organization, and understands what team football is all about.
0: Dan Sorensen, that uh, comes to mind. Uh, you look at the Neiman kid, uh, hey Ben Neiman, Alex Brown, who yeah. they picked up off the you know off the street late, who made the big hit in the Houston game to knock the ball out on the kickoff return. We can go right down the line. There's a whole bunch of guys. All right. In the third quarter, now we go to the fourth quarter of this podcast. Again, our Defending the Kingdom podcast for the next nine weeks is going to be refitting the backpack, and we are focusing in this podcast on the defensive line. We kind of skimmed over the crockpot, guys, and again, as I said at the beginning of the show, this is this is a compliment, but these are guys, Barbershop, people forget about or don't know about, and... I'll just mention names, uh, guys that are on the practice squad. Anthony Anthony Lanier was actually signed to a futures contract. He used to play for the Chargers. Devereux Lawrence. Tim Ward was on the non-football injury list. There's, uh, he's got some wingspan. He's an interesting kid, Braxton Hoyette. Breland Speaks. Mm-hmm. When I say Breland Speaks, people are going to go, oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about Breland Speaks. He tore his knee up. Yeah, we got Breland Speaks. but. This team too. One thing this franchise has done in the seven years under Andy Reid is the slow cooker guys, yes. the guys who are asked to stay here and develop. Byron Pringle comes to mind. Um, there, there's, there's many like that, but these crockpuckers, the the importance of finding these guys who are in your system who can develop and become players in this league
1: yeah and you mentioned Brendan speaks that's the guy that jumps off the page as somebody who um was was drafted and even when he was drafted everybody thought that he really wasn't the greatest fit under Bob Sutton's defense everybody there was a man that like he doesn't even fit what they're trying to do defensively and then you got to start thinking about how far ahead the organization was thinking when they drafted him how far ahead and you got to give Brad Beach so much credit for being Um, for being a visionary and realizing this guy has football talent beyond a defensive coordinator. Whatever coordinator we have, this guy – has a body that can fit some position, whether it's a 3-4 defensive end or a 4-3 DT or bumping them out to a 4-3 defensive end. Whatever it takes, he has a body frame that can can carry that weight. He has muscle mass. He has that old man uh, uh, cutting wood type strength um, that, that you don't find from many city boys. That's that country boy strength mm-hmm. we talk about. And, and Breland, he has that. And it was about him just learning how to be comfortable learning football, learning the ins and outs. Because they said, you know, hey, when he was at Ole Miss and stuff, maybe uh, didn't didn't have to um, do many things. It was just go after the quarterback, uh, kind of a B to C gap player. But now with the pros, you're asked to drop a little bit. You're asked to cover the flats. You, sometimes you got to take a seam guy. Um, you got to buzz down. You got to be able to move out, uh, kick in and kick out. Um, You got to be able to understand the the calls the linebackers are making to you and how that affects your your run gap responsibilities. He's had a whole season now of not only just rehabbing since he uh, got put on IR at the end of training camp, but understanding the 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 flow of the game and understanding that in this defense we battle to the whistle, we battle all four quarters, Mm -hmm. we we don't take a snap off. It's a consistent pursuit of quarterback killer's coming after that. We we hunting like a like you said. Frank Clark is the shark. It's like it's like it's like that. Chum is in the water, and they hunt like a pack. And they get after that quarterback as a pack. Um, and understanding how that mentality is not only a a on the field on Sunday mentality. It's how you attack training camp. It's how you attack the weight room. It's how they attack the meetings. It's how they attack the opponents on Sunday. It's a mantra. It's an effect. It's, 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 it just keeps rolling. And I think that was one. He's one of the young kids that I think that he needed to see it from the sideline. We talk about sometimes in a basketball game how that point guard, uh, and that sixth man is so valuable because he gets to see everything. He gets to spend two or three minutes at the beginning of the game seeing how everything is going to go, and then he goes into the game as just – like a microwave, um, I think Breland Speaks will be one of those guys who really takes off um, after having a year of sitting down and watching everybody else go, watching this Super Bowl run, feeling a little bit maybe a, a chip on his shoulder that he wasn't able to be a part of it as far as impactful on the field, and that will be something that sparks him this off season to get himself in shape mentally and physically prepared to be a part of this defense.
0: And a full-on dose of Brandon Daly, BDs, the guys calling BD, um- Amazing defensive line coach who had a big-time impact on this team and with this defensive line. And with Speaks, you know, at Ole Miss, they'd gain weight. They'd take weight off him. Uh, he's an inside tech. He's a stand-up, two-point stance guy. It's I'm just curious what Spags uh, will have planned for him. But, again, a crockpot guy, a guy a lot of you have forgotten about. Oh, yeah, we've got that guy uh, on our roster. All right, as we close out this edition of Defending the Kingdom, that is refitting the backpack, uh, for the 2020 climb, the draft possibilities. Now, as usual, this is a loaded class, and you've got to look at guys and where they project, but I'm going to throw some out, uh, and these, some of these guys will be gone uh, by the time the Chiefs draft 32 if they stay there. You could imagine them moving up or down out of that spot. Uh, Derek Brown out of Auburn, he'll be long gone. Javon Kinlaw, South Carolina, called a Chris Jones clone. Kenlaw out of South Carolina. Russ Blacklock out of TCU. Raekwon Davis out of Alabama. One local kid that's really interesting to me is Jordan Elliott of Mizzou. Uh, that'll be one and see how he works through this evaluation process. Baylor's got some really good inside tech guys. James Lynch comes to mind. Gross Matos uh, of Penn State. Another guy that's been linked to the Chiefs in some mock drafts at 32 is a kid named Curtis Weaver of Boise State. All right. Lots of names thrown out there. You can throw your names out there as well. But what are you looking for if you're going to draft somebody to join this defensive line and say, join the party?
1: Now, I like the way, I mean, you, you covered pre- pretty much the top two rounds of guys. So any of those guys, I think if, if, if we're sitting at 32 and we have an opportunity to get one of those guys, and even if a, a top 20 guy kind of slides down, because, um, you know, the thing about the draft is other teams sometimes have to reach at positions of need. We've just won the Super Bowl. Our, our, I mean, our our one of the philosophies you've heard from Brett Beach every year he's been even before he was a GM is we stick to the board. We 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 stay tight to our board. You spend so many hours building that board that it's almost a uh, it's almost disrespectful to to break apart from it. And so as as, as there is as a guy who you have you know in the top 20 who is sliding down, and he becomes available at thirty-two, and you got to think there are teams calling in. They want to trade. They want that thirty-two. They want to. They want to. They want to trade into that spot because they want that fifth-year option mm-hmm. and possibly draft a, a, a another quarterback or something like that. And you have the opportunity to draft uh, to trade down and pick up another pick. Um, I, I see the Chiefs maybe have an opportunity to trade down, pick up another pick or two, uh, and then being 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 around that fortieth pick. And like you said, that kid from Missouri. Um, he, he has such a great upside. And what you know about this defense is that we already have some solid core players. We have, we, we, have co- we, have, we have cogs that fit in and do well. And so now we have a guy coming back from the boiler room, right? The boiler cooker is coming yep. back. Uh, so now the, the, the guy who comes here from our D-line standpoint, whether he's our, our first overall pick in, at 40 or something, or he, even later than that, uh, second or third round pick, he doesn't have to be a finished product he has to come in and excel at one thing. Whether it's a, a guy who can come in on third down and is just relentless, getting after the pass rusher, uh, getting after the quarterback, or if he's a guy who's just a a, a, a plug-in field guy who's uh, stud the nuts, screw him in, he can't be moved. Um, um, a guy who just, uh, immovable rock, uh, anchor at the DT position. If he can come in and do one thing and be excellent at it, he'll be able to play a role in his defense until he can uh, round out his game. Because you said, you know, Brendan Daly is a great coach at finding guys uh, that that, that do do one thing great, using them, being productive, and then in the offseason having the ability to round them out and extend and, and do more and and, and, and you know, let that package grow. Um, we're not worried about if a guy's a one-trick pony, he only coming is just a speed rusher. If he can do that 100 times and get after quarterback 50 of it and create some uh, some pass, some pressure, some hurries, um, we know what our offense, that's, that, that's something we need. That's something that we're going to be up in a lot of games. We're, we're, uh, the nature of our offense is that, you know, when we're up, that uh, the team's going to have to pass, and we need somebody to come in and get after that pass and close it down, so... If we if we draft a guy just for that reason, just to come in and close the game down, to be a, a bookend against uh, with, with Frank Clark against the Shark, and be that other bookend that them two can just have a a one on one, a you know two on one type game system where their object is just to close the game down, get after that quarterback, bring the victory home, then that's a that's a draft pick that's worth making. Um, so I think that everybody uh, is on the board. But like you said, we did it before with Pat Mahomes. We haven't been afraid to package some picks, move up to the top ten, and take an impact player if it's a guy who we feel is going to be a a stud on the defensive line for years to come.
0: But in your description, we have seen guys that can be picked in the fourth, fifth, even the sixth round that fits what you're talking about. The other thing, and as we close this edition of defending the kingdom, refitting the backpack defensive line, know this, all of you listening, about Brandon Daly, and I think I'm pretty. I'm just, I'm just scanning here going right down the line. Here's the best compliment I could give Brandon Daly because I, I remember watching him all summer and the springtime and summer in a training camp going, wow, this group has a chance to really excel. I think every player under his tutelage, every player, everyone, got better. Got better yes, sir. In some way significantly better, and that includes shop, Frank Clark. Yes, sir. Yes, Frank sir. Clark got better. He was a champ on the edge. It, what, nobody was hunting sacks. Everybody played the run. But Brandon Daly's a stud, and that's a big area of confidence in this position going into 2020.
1: Yeah, and, and, you, and the way we use our defensive line, the way we have that rotation where we we, we don't just have a starting four, we have a starting seven, a starting eight, yep. where guys can rotate in, stay fresh, go after the quarterback. We, we, we Like I said, they hunt as a pack, they hunt as a unit. And so what you saw is Coach Daly take that unit And instead of just having one superstar in Frank Clark and another superstar at Chris Jones and then having a a, a melee, you know, six or seven other fringe players, he expected the entire room to play up to that level. That all – pro, everybody had to – when you had the opportunity to make a big play, like you said, we saw Pasno, a highlight reel, a career highlight reel in one season. Uh, MVP, we saw uh, Pennell make – so many big plays to close out games, big hits on the quarterback, created interception. We saw my man, uh, <laughs> my man from Virginia Beach. Um, he was so impactful after the Super Bowl. He just saying, "Hey, ma, I feel like a champion. I feel like a champion." My man, Nottie. Um being more than he was drafted. He was drafted because he was a strong uh, two-gap, uh, being able just to, to, to demand a double team right over the ball. And he became so much more. His versatility and his movement, um, the way he's been able to control those A-gaps and then penetrate and go to the B-gaps. But like you said, the one thing the coach has done, everybody in the room grew. Everybody got better, and that unit became a solid unit. They became actually, I think, the leader of the defense. That defensive unit led the charge. Every game, if you look at what Honey Badger did on the back end, what Hitchens and and, and Neiman and and, and, uh, Ragland did at the linebacker position, I think that everybody would give the credit to what the guys did up front because those guys were instrumental. They were like a match hitting lightning. They was like match hitting fire, uh, throwing gasoline on the flame almost. Um, when, it t- when it came time for that defense to really uproar and raise up and be something special.
0: And they were there every week. You didn't have to worry about, hmm, I wonder if the d line's going to show up, up every this week. week. They were there every stinking week. He's Sean Barber, a.k.a. The Shop, a.k.a. Barbershop, a.k.a. Spider-Man. I'm Mitch Holter's voice of the Chiefs. We're getting the backpack ready. We're refitting it with a defensive line. And next week we'll go to the other side of the trenches because we'll go to the offensive line and do the same thing. Thanks for joining us, and uh, here we go, folks. You're defending world champions, refitting the backpack on Defending the Kingdom. Thanks for listening to the Chiefs' official podcast network. Ten, five, touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins at Arrowhead.